Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, I'm here today with Julie Genlock, director of IWS Culture of Alarmism Project, to talk a little bit about going back to school. Hi, Julie. Hi, I'm so glad they are going back to school soon. <laughs> I know. Summer is quickly drawing to a close, and I know Thank both goodness. you and I are moms. I'm ready for a schedule again, I think. But I think you and I are already thinking a lot about sort of all of the little details that go into getting kids back to school, getting new clothes and school supplies and packing lunches. And there's a lot of things that we're probably thinking about. I think a lot of moms are thinking about. So here's my big fear. This year, I have three kids who need to take lunches to school. It kind of worries me, right? I, I feel like parents are judging me. They know what might be inside my kids' lunch boxes. Should I be worried? Well, look, uh, there's no doubt that there's a lot of, ju- <laughs> there's a lot of judgment out there, okay? There's a, you know, the phenomenon of helicopter parenting isn't just hovering over your own child. It's hovering over other people's child. I mean, people are downright evangelical about how they think other people should be raising their own children. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of nervousness on that front. Um, the best advice I can give people is, like, keep it really simple. Um, it's not hard to put a piece of turkey in between two pieces of bread and stick a banana in a bag. Um, that is, that's something that's super simple. I've actually timed myself. I also have three kids. I pack all of their lunches every morning. I've timed myself. It takes me around seven and a half minutes minutes um, to do, to to pack the lunches. Now, I also, um, you know, I don't have very many distractions in that seven and a half minutes. It might take you more like 15 minutes, but but packing a lunch isn't really that hard, and the payoff is huge. Uh, People really tend to care more about what their kids are eating, and they put healthier things in their school, in in home-packed school lunches, and you also, as a parent, have more control. Yeah, because I think that control is something that you and I really like, because I think a lot of moms don't have that luxury, right? They have to rely on school lunch programs. Maybe they're um, a single mom and it helps them out. Maybe it just makes things faster for them in the morning. But there's a lot of problems with the school lunch programs, aren't there? Yeah, it really is. And and what's really sad is that so often now people who do not live at or under the poverty line um, are using the school lunch program. Look, we need to remember the roots of the school lunch program, which was to provide um, a hot or just a complete meal um, to kids who were very from very poor households. Nowadays, um, the, if you look at the rates, I mean, it is astonishing how many people get full, how many children pay full price. They don't even get the reduced price, which means um, they come from households that are not at or under the poverty line. They, their parents, um, are, you know, make enough money that they, they don't qualify for reduced price or free lunches. And, and that really, we really shouldn't as a society um, be taking advantage of programs. Um, as middle class Americans, we shouldn't not be taking programs, uh, taking advantage of programs that are designed for poor Americans. So I would really encourage people, look, you know, part of the reason these, these lunches are so grim and why kids aren't eating them is because the the program is simply overburdened. Um, the, it pumps out millions of meals. And, and look, you know, any program, any program that's run by the federal government generally has problems. Um, so if you can afford it, you really should not be relying on the school lunch program. And we should, we should leave that program um, as a, more, a smaller, more streamlined program for the kids who actually need it.
and that gives moms and dads more control as well. So there's a lot of upside to, to packing your kids' own lunch. So right. one thing I wanted to talk to you about as we're thinking about what to put in the lunchbox is soda. So your kids, my kids, they're still pretty young. We usually end up drinking water or milk, maybe some juice at breakfast. More and more they see soda. They see mom and dad drinking soda, and so it's harder to um, you know, say, hey, you can't have this if I can have it. But I think it's okay once in a while, right? We want everything moderation. It's Soda is not going to kill them, right? Right. And look, you know, soda um, has been vilified in this country. You see politicians eager for new revenue sources, pushing soda taxes. You know, obviously, who can forget my, Mayor Bloomberg uh, cutting the, the, the size of the soda that <laughs> supposedly free people mm-hmm. could order in restaurants. Um, these efforts are afoot, and they're happening um, at the state and local level. And it's very, I think, very difficult uh, for businesses to keep up with all these regulations. But the truth is, is that soda consumption in America is down, way, way, way down. It's plummeting. And then you look at soda companies now. You know, you know, so many of these companies, Pepsi and Coke, and many of these companies, again, are vilified for producing, having, you know, oh gosh, they're producing a sugar-filled beverage. But Coke and Pepsi don't just produce Coke and, you know, the, the, the sugary sodas. I mean, for instance, I drink a ton of, of flavored club sodas or sparkly water, as my kids call it. Um, these yeah. are produced, these are, these are owned by Coca-Cola. So these companies give consumers as much, tons, tons of choices. And, and consumers should be allowed and free to make the choices that they want. As far as kids are concerned, look, I don't allow my kids to have sodas, and that's my choice. And I have a, uh, you know, my children know that they are not going going to be drinking sodas. Again, there have been times when they're, you know, when their stomach hurts or if we're out to dinner, sometimes I'll let them have a few sips of, of a soda. Um, but, again, that's my choice. And, and so many of these paternalistic policies that are coming out of politicians, you know, it kind of, it kind of suggests you're too dumb. You're a bad parent and you're too stupid to control your kids or to be a good parent. So we'll have the government step in and do it for you. So I think, I think yeah. parents should, should, should be really disgusted by these policies and should realize that, you know, this isn't necessary. If, you know, if, if, if you have a good handle on your kids, uh, saying no, it, it shouldn't be that much of a trauma. Right, and, and also once in a while it's fun to have something different, right? Sure. That's a treat sure. if you can't have it once in a while, right? right. We have Shirley Temples when we go out to dinner, so. <laughs> um, okay, so the thing that always drives me crazy about going back to school, and I just finished it because I was trying to be somewhat responsible, is this mountain of paperwork that the school sends home sure. every summer that is due in, and most of it is things related to um, medical forms, dental forms. They seem to want to know everything about my children, so that's okay. Um, but the one thing it sort of reminds me of and it makes me wonder about is how safe are my children in terms of vaccinations when they go back to school? Do I need to sure. worry that their friends are not being vaccinated or is this something that is really sort of specific to certain geographical areas? You know, how, how worried do moms have to be? Well, look, this is a this is an increasing problem in this country. The anti-vaccination movement is, is one, terrifying, and two, it... it I mean, there's been some studies recently done that when uh, when parents who are afraid of vaccinations um, uh, or or believe all this sort of junk science out there um, and outright lies about uh, vaccination safety, um, when they're shown pictures, for instance, of children who get polio or children who suffer from 
really disfiguring diseases because of um, not vaccinating their kids. They, it shows that the needle moves a bit, that people get a little bit nervous and realize that they're really, um, they're really playing with fire here by not vaccinating their kids. Yeah. Yet the bottom line is, is that it's still so strong in this country. The anti-vaccination movement is so strong in this country that we've seen significant outbreaks of you know, infectious diseases like measles. We saw a big case this um, this past year um, that someone with measles came to Disney, um, I think it was Disneyland in California, and it got spread, and there were a number of pockets of outbreaks around the country. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, we always kind of think of this as being just um, sort of these, these crazy people who are sort of crunchy and don't want it. But this also occurs, and um, there are large outbreaks that have um, been around evangelical churches, um, so this is not a this is not a, a trend that follows sort of you know political lines. Um, this mm-hmm. is the, the people of all stripes um, are are you know deciding to forego vaccinations. And what's so sad about this is that they not only endangered their children, uh, but they endanger the children around them, um, and also people who can't get vaccines. People who are right. very sick uh, and very young children. Um, some people can't get and vaccines. And we're talking about communicable diseases, right, Julie? Yeah. These are not, this yeah. is not sort of the optional, like the HIV right. vaccine that right. some parents, yeah. I understand, are opposed to. But we're talking about things like measles and rubella, right? Yes, yes. Measles, mumps, rubella. We're talking about infectious diseases, things that are highly contagious and can spread very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, look, the, some of these are not just deadly diseases, but in the case of smallpox, I mean, these are disfiguring diseases. And polio mm-hmm. are, you know, you can be crippled for the rest of your life because of these diseases. And again, this is nothing to take lightly. People, you know, you have, you have Hollywood stars like Alicia Silverstone saying that she doesn't vaccinate, but she gives her child a morning cup of miso soup. I mean, we're supposed to believe that this <laughs> right. keeps her safe. I mean, this is uh, the uh, utter absurdity of, of, um, of not believing um, the mountain of science that has proven the safety of vaccines and has really eradicated these diseases in, in, in much of the Western world. The developing world is still really struggling with a lot of these diseases. Um, so, yeah, look, parents need to be, um, be careful about this stuff, and I would really encourage people to talk to their school principals. Find out what the vaccination rate is in your school. See if there have been any um, any exceptions. And look, people are allowed to have to send their kids to public schools uh, without vaccinating if they have a religious. Uh, remember that religious if they claim a religious exemption. But the problem is is that more and more people are claiming this exemption when there really isn't any religious foundation for it. Um, and mm-hmm. also, some schools are becoming more lax. Um, they are allowing unvaccinated children to attend schools uh, because, you know, they don't want to offend or um, upset certain parents. So I think uh, parents who are concerned about this need to be aggressive about it. They need to talk to their schools and they need to, need to make it a priority uh, that the school enforces the rules about vaccinations. Yeah, and I don't think the issue is going away. We've already heard a little bit about it during the political season, and I think we're going to hear more about it, but it's helpful to get your opinion on it. So one thing that I, the last sort of thing that is always on my mind as we start going back to school is sort of that after school component of things, right? There's the overscheduled child, and I'm sure mine are, I'm guilty as charged. They have way too many activities. But sometimes, you know, I was thinking back to when I was a kid and the carpool mom would drop me off and I had a key and I would go home and 
you know, I'd get a snack. I was a big kid. It was fine. Um, but nowadays, it seems like you can't do that, right? You can't leave a child right. unsupervised. And, and just here in, in locally in, in Maryland, there was a child who was, I think, in a, a sort of a middle school age, dropped off playing basketball in his own backyard. And yeah. the parents got in big trouble from, yeah. the, from the police. So I'm just wondering, is this something else that moms have to worry about as we're thinking about, hey, can my kid, you know, stay at home for an hour by themselves before I get home from work? This is a whole other yeah. issue that we have to think it's, about now, right? It's, yes, it's the tyranny not only of the helicopter parent, but of the nosy, know-it-all neighbor. The people who think they know better than you, um, as you mentioned, this child is dropped off and is playing basketball in his driveway and some nosy neighbor thought that that was neglect. And we also have a problem of law enforcement just not uh, applying uh, any reasonableness to this stuff. I mean, they get a call. Why in the world, in that case, the police didn't say, this child is fine and drive away. Um, is beyond me. So, you know, there's a couple forces here coming together that are really alarming. And what is so sad is that it, you know, you have this, the, the great, great writer, uh, Lenore Skenazy, who's sort of the founder of the free range movement, and she really encourages parents to free range more, to let their children, um, you know, have a little bit of control over their lives. And yet, you know, and, and, and Lenore's been great about addressing this. You know, I, I want a free range. I want a free range more, but I'm terrified of the nosy neighbor, the know-it-all neighbor mm-hmm. who's going to call the police on me. I mean, you got the case of um, the, the Maytiv family in, in Maryland who, who was threatened uh, by authorities, th- threatened to have their children taken away. Um, so yeah. I think that is, a, that is, that is a, just a, a, you know, sort of a wet blanket over parents who really aspire to be free rangers. Um, there is this sort of fear of the authorities of taking your children. So, look, I, I think uh, the best thing you can do is, is, um, is you know, arm your children uh, with information, tell them, teach them how to, you know, their, your phone number and teach them how to talk to authorities if they're stopped or other parents. But I would really advise parents to, uh, of all stripes, whether you're a free ranger, whether you're a, you feel more of a nervous parent, you're a helicopter parent, whatever you are, stay out of people's business and, for goodness sake, talk to the child <laughs> before you call the cops. Right. You know, and it's, it's funny, Julie, because I was thinking that back in the day when I was a kid and I got locked out of my house, I, I knew to walk to one of our neighbor's house and they would bring me in and give me cookies and milk and let yeah. me do my homework and actually took care of me rather than this becoming a, a problem that government needs to solve. It seems like we need to sort of lean together more as a society and as neighbors and say, hey, maybe the mom got caught in traffic or something's wrong yeah. and we should make sure that we can help them out. So yeah, um, I think that we need to think about how we can be a community. This is all a part of the symptom that we're seeing increasing in this country, which is the government is the only thing that can help you. It's not call the mom or let the kid come in. It's all call the cops because, because the right. only thing that can help in this situation is a, is, a, is a police officer. We see this with parents. You know, I mean, 12-year-old kids left in the car with the windows down and an iPad while the mom grows, jumps, you know, runs into 7-Eleven to grab a soda, and she comes out and she's got, you know, a police officer there ready to, to, to interview her. I mean, this is ridiculous. We are a country that has just gone crazy in terms of telling on each other. I mean, this whole tattletale, right, yeah. the tattletale, it's a tattletale. Definitely to be telling our, our kids as they go back to school, no tattletale. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
Well, Julie, you have so much information about school lunches and vaccinations and after-school concerns, and I hope that people will come to the IWF website and look at our Culture of Alarmism project and see all of the different things that you and others have written on this issue because I think it's so important um, in terms of rolling back government and also giving moms a sense of control and, and confidence as they raise their children. Everybody needs to take a deep breath and uh, and calm and calm down a little bit. And yes, we offer a lot of reassurance on our website. So visit iws.org. Well, thank you so much for listening to another Working for Women podcast. We hope you'll visit iws.org for all sorts of more information. And we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or. Stop by iwf.org for similar content.